conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back. We are talking all about 2018 in film with Mitchell McDonald today. Mitchell, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I just woke up, got a very big uh, day ahead of me. I have nothing going on today. Uh, (laughs) How are you, Deanna? I'm good. I'm very ready to talk about some movies because I think I did a somewhat better job in 2018 (laughs) of actually going out to see things than I did in 2017 when we last did one of these. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I had bought movie a movie pass subscription at the tail end of 2017 so it was one of those things where at the end of the year i fit a bunch of stuff in but the beginning part of the year not so much so having a movie subscription service thing Mm -hmm. in all of 2018 made it a better year for me for movies (laughs) yeah definitely um i think i mean the beginning of the year always starts out there's not a ton of movies anyway so like especially like right now in january there's like nothing out unless you count all of the award stuff that's getting wider and wider releases that people are trying to catch up on but as far as new releases i'm like looking at the calendar and i'm like sheesh (laughs) there's there's not a lot um i don't even know what's coming out i just know the the lego movie 2 is coming out in in february that's like the first thing i'm excited for and there's some other stuff but uh yeah it's kind of since I watch a lot of like the smaller indie movies, I don't really know which ones of those are going to be like the ones I want to see until yeah. later in the year or like summer at least is when those really start to hit weirdly enough. So, but yeah, I have movie pass too. I had it for the, um, for since it literally since it launched and I still have it. I'm like the only, I'm really the only person I know who's still consistently <laughs> using movie pass everyone else has kind of moved on yeah i moved on to the amc a list it's not the closest theater but it's only like three miles away so it wasn't a huge Mm -hmm. deal i just go over there and go see everything and that one gives you three movies a week but you can also use it for imax and dolby and not pay a difference and 3d i I guess but i have never wanted to go see a movie in 3d so (laughs) but yeah that is our quick update on movie subscription services i don't even really know what to call them that so that's what i'm calling them that's fine i think that's good the the amc one we also found out yesterday you get a priority you get your own line when you go to the theater they have your own line for um tickets and for concessions which we took advantage of because my friend just switched to it and we went to an amc last night um but yeah we just found that out so that's fun too if you want to feel superior (laughs) they advertise it literally at the beginning of every single movie now too so it kind of amazes me that people go to amc and don't have it (laughs) yeah it's I, I wonder how long it's going to stick for that one. If Movie Pass really is like about to disappear, like how long they're going to be like, oh, do we still need this? I mean, we killed the main competitor. So, but I think he said that at least for this year, it should be fine. So that's cool. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's just one of those things where you kind of just have to wait it out. I got too frustrated with Movie Pass. It was like, you can only see it at this time that you don't want to go. <laughs> Yeah, it's bad. I don't know why. I don't know if I should be putting this out there. But for some reason, mine is still working for like, I think it has something to do with I like canceled my subscription and then restarted it. But because I have a year, and then once I restarted it, it just works 
for every screening of every movie at most theaters. Nice. And I don't know why that is. And I hope it doesn't stop. But so, and it doesn't like, it doesn't limit me to three. I don't know why this is happening. It's the only, I'm the only person that I know this happened for. So I can't really, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I'm going to ride that out until whoever fixes that glitch. Yeah. I think we could go ahead and jump into our list now though. You did a top 20 and I did a top 10. So I am going to let you start. Why don't we do your 20 through 15? Because there we do have some overlap there between my top list and my honorable mentions. So I think that mm -hmm. is a good place to start. Yeah, I mean, we can just talk about the movies that we liked. It doesn't we can just like spill out our list. But really, we yeah. can just talk about whichever ones that we both liked, or whichever ones that we really want to evangelize to each other, you know. <laughs> Okay, so starting at number 20, I have Widows, I have uh, Searching at number 19, then uh, Avengers Infinity War, Teen Titans Go to the Movies, Shoplifters, and uh, Mission Impossible Fallout, and I think a bunch of those are on your list. Yeah, it's funny that Widows happens to be my number two, but I think I just really <laughs> liked heist movies this year. I don't know what it was between that, Ocean's 8, and even including solo as a heist movie it's like i was like yes i am having a fun time watching these even though you know they might not be super great obviously i thought widows was better than the other two but i think yeah. a lot of that had to do with the casting in that one mm -hmm. and oh my god yeah it was just fantastic i was like i love everything about this and i just want to note real quick out of my top 10, there's only one that is rated three and a half stars that I kind of pushed ahead of a couple that I had rated four stars, and that's A Quiet Place. And I think it's because I liked that movie more than I thought I did. And now that I've had lots of time to sit with it, I'm like, maybe I need to go change that rating. <laughs> I have a tough time with horror movies, I think, because... I don't know. It, it, there has to be, I have to really buy into the premise. And I feel like that doesn't necessarily speak to the quality of the movie always. Right. But like, sometimes like, uh, I'll watch like a really good horror movie, but something will like make me laugh and it'll totally destroy like my ability to like feel the tension in it. So I kind of <laughs> don't have a good sense of it. Also, I didn't really watch horror movies until I was like, late high school college okay. because I was always scared of them. And then like it immediately went from being super scared to like not scared at all and just thinking they're funny. So there's only a handful that I really like. Um, we'll talk about one of them later because I think it is pretty high on both of our lists. Two, I guess two. I don't know if I don't know if the other one will we'll get there. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, Widows was yeah, really good. It was like a weird it was like trying to take like a very pulpy very like grimy kind of subject and um just do it with like the highest like classiest most like um prestigious elements when you have like Viola Davis, Liam Neeson, all these other actors being characters in this movie that's really like a small time kind of movie because it's just about like like campaign to be alderman in Chicago which I don't know how much power that but it's not even like mayor it's just like this like person who kind of runs this one tiny district in Chicago is right. like the, the is what the plot kind of center is along but it's really about like what it would take for these normal people who wouldn't commit crimes like what what would have to happen in their lives um 
for them to pull off this heist, like uh, Viola Davis, Elizabeth Debicki, and uh, Michelle Rodriguez. I loved. I was. I'm just remembering. I loved uh, Elizabeth Debicki in this movie. Yeah. Um. She's fucking incredible. She's also in another one of my uh, movies that I'll talk to a little. That I'll talk about a little bit later. Um. But I think this was a great year for her. I think she is very, very very tall and <laughs> yeah and they used it in this movie usually they're mm-hmm. trying to hide it i think the first thing i saw her in was when she was in the night manager okay i didn't watch that and i think they tried to hide it a little there and it was one of those things where it was really noticeable in this movie mm-hmm. and i think it's partially because the other actresses aren't too terribly tall if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. yeah yeah, it looks like she's only okay. She's in, oh yeah, she was like the golden girl in Guardians Two. She was in Great Gatsby. She was in Valeria. Who was she in Valeria? It doesn't matter. <laughs> that movie's crazy, but yeah, she was really great in it. Uh, Cynthia Erivo was really good in it. I just watched uh, Bad Times at the El Royale, and okay. she was she was really good in that too. And then oh oh my god, fucking uh, Daniel Kaluuya in this movie was yeah. so. <laughs> scary jesus christ i mean i could kind of tell what he was doing with it in this movie like when he was getting all up in that dude's face and then just like point blank just shot him at one point while he was rapping but um i thought he was just incredibly effective and he really is just a super talented actor that can kind of do whatever you need him to do in a film obviously get out he was so good and so effective in that and then this he's kind of going to the opposite side of the the spectrum where he's like the villain where he's like the terrifying dude (laughs) but he was great also brian brian uh tyree henry is in a bunch of yeah i think the movies on my list and he's also in atlanta so he had a freaking huge year even though he kind of has really kind of bit parts in all of these movies he really uh tied himself to some quality stuff this year he really whoever um is picking projects for him really is nailing it with uh widows spider-man and uh he's in beale street too um yeah just this cast in this movie is just completely completely nuts i have to shout out uh my favorite (laughs) My favorite thing I saw about Widows was uh, this one guy I follow on Letterboxd, my friend's friend, uh, his name is Barrier. He posted this review that's like five stars, and it's just two dudes sitting in a boat pretending not to be Irish. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe it was Scottish. Are they Scottish? Uh, Colin Farrell and Liam Neeson? I don't recall. It's it's somewhere over there. (laughs) It's one of those, but it just cracked me up. I thought it was so funny. But uh, yeah, we could, I'll talk about um, some of the other ones. Uh, Searching is a movie that follows uh, John Cho playing this single father. He has a daughter who's in like either late middle, early high school, and she goes missing. And it is him kind of trying to figure out what happened to her. The whole movie, the like the the thing of the movie, it's all shot on screens. The whole movie is on like computer screens and television screens. And it's like if you ever see him, you can hear him, but if you ever see him, it's like him on FaceTime right. with somebody. So that like all it's very, very uh it's kind of, I've never quite, I know there's a movie called like Unfriended that kind of does this. Yeah. But I think this is much more like grounded and much more uh, watchable and not hokey and like takes the concept and really uses it creatively because the camera kind of pans and zooms. Over, so you're not just like staring at just a screen, just like a static screen and just like watching someone click around. It's really like the camera is like zooming in on stuff and making you read stuff. And like, it's really, really well done. I really thought it was uh 
a, a super engaging and interesting movie. And I like that. I like to see, like, I think there were a lot of movies that were interfacing with the internet in interesting ways this year. And I think filmmakers are finally kind of getting around that, trying to figure out how, what to do in situations with that, like whether it's like that or eighth grade or uh, Ralph Breaks Internet. I think there were a lot of um, movies that tangled with the internet this year and did did well with it. Yeah, this was one I didn't get the chance to see. I You'll see it. It's on my list to mm-hmm. get to eventually. And there are, I want to say, five or six movies on your list that I was like, I had every intention of watching this, but either I didn't get it's to tough. the theater in time, like mm-hmm. with, I know the favorite is one you've been telling me to watch. And I <laughs> looked one day and I was like, oh, okay. It already left the theater by me. <laughs> so oh, it, what? That sucks. Yeah. It left last week that and Ben is back. Mm-hmm. I was planning on seeing those two. And I was like, you know, I had already seen two movies earlier in the week. So mm-hmm. I would have had to pick between one anyway, but then I didn't have time to go see either. So I was like, Whoops. oh, all right, bye. <laughs> um, we can like talk. I don't know how much you've talked about like the big action-y superhero ones. Like if you've had, I think you've probably had other podcasts for them, but we can like go over those if you want. Yeah, I did do an episode on Infinity War and Mission Impossible Fallout. So I probably don't have to say too much about those because those are one obviously is one of the biggest superhero movies of the year and then Mission Impossible is one of the biggest just action movies in general of the year and yeah I just watched Fallout it's okay it lived up to the hype I'd it's say it's fun yeah it's it's a it's a thrilling movie and then my my friend who I was watching it with is like I, that's like his one of his favorite movies of the year and he was just telling me like all the stories about like the production for it and how they had to like shoot everything like as it was happening and like how Tom Cruise broke his leg and how they like he was riding the motorcycles like without any safety stuff or how yeah. he was how they had to film that whole jump sequence. <laughs> He's a little like, crazy. <laughs> oh my God. He is full of insane Scientologist space Pope energy and just is willing to die for our entertainment, but can't. Yeah. <laughs> that That's basically the gist of it. And I think the one that I really want to talk about quickly here though is teen titans go to the movies because i oh enjoyed that movie way more than i thought i would and it made my honorable <laughs> mentions just because i was lazy and didn't do a top 20 but if i did a top 20 you know all of my honorable mentions would have been in there <laughs> mm-hmm. oh my god so i i love teen titans go i it's i think it's reminiscent of i think i mean now aquaman and wonder woman have shown that they can like actually make hit movies out of their characters without uh zack snyder but i think that between uh, Teen Titans Go and uh, Bat- Lego Batman last year, uh, I think, I think that like DC was just kind of trying to just be like, okay, well, our huge hits aren't going to work, so maybe we can make hits out of movies that just completely take them to task and completely just parody those movies because that's what Lego Batman and Teen Titans have kind of done, and it's just been so fun and funny to watch these movies. Um, Teen Titans Go, I was really excited for when it was coming out. I hadn't watched the show the the new show i had watched the old show um because that was a big thing in my generation i really liked it but i kept seeing trailers for this and i was like this looks fun and then i watched it and it's very hilarious um it's kind of like i'd say it's like looney tunes for superheroes or like deadpool for kids is how i would kind of sell this movie because a lot of people i have i feel like have this negative view of teen titans go especially like people our age because they grew up watching the original teen titan show and this is like uh like a it's it's weird for a show to get rebooted and come back aiming younger 
I feel like that always kind of rubs people the wrong way um, when shows do that. So I think that kind of uh, put a lot of people off. But it is made, you can tell it's made with a a lot of love and knowledge and care for uh, this universe of characters. And I think it's because it's something that's been around for so long, they feel like, okay, we can make jokes that people are going to like about this. And I don't know, I I really thought it was just very, uh, it's very cheesy and like, very aiming very low, but it's so funny and fun and has like, I I, I took friends that like, didn't like superheroes at all. And they (laughs) had had a blast watching it. And so I I think that if you like superheroes at all, or if you like just like good, fun, fast animation, that it's definitely worth checking out. Even if you hate Teen Titans Go, I think this movie might have a chance to win you over. And I think if you listen to this podcast, you probably have some kind of affiliation to superheroes in some way. So I think (laughs) that if you listen to this podcast, you could watch it, even if it's just to be a completist. But I think it'll surprise you. Yeah, absolutely. And I was literally sitting in the theater just laughing so much during this movie. and So funny, and it moves so fast. Yeah, I would definitely watch this one again, probably, if it it ends up on, you know, like Netflix or Hulu or something. I haven't looked for it specifically, but if it ends up somewhere and I'm just bored one day, I could definitely see this just being put on and background noise, background entertainment. So mad the other day, my friend uh, went to Redbox and he rented a couple movies. He got Split and he got Smallfoot, and I was so mad he made us watch Smallfoot instead of watching Teen Titans <laughs> again. But maybe if they do more, maybe if I get another Redbox code, we'll watch it. Um, but <laughs> um, other stuff in here quickly: uh, Shoplifters is a Japanese film that is about. Um, it's directed by um, Hirokazu Koreeda. And it's about this um, very impoverished family that um, finds this uh, young girl kind of outside by on outside by herself and kind of takes her in. And it's kind of about their family living in poverty. And it's like a very wonderful, uh, emotional, like very humanistic kind of uh, journey that you go on with them and just how like their fam- their family like was brought together. Um, everyone kind of has their different story and they've all kind of found each other and it's really sweet. And I think, I think it's one of the movies that it was just nominated for the Golden Globe for foreign. Um, I think it would have won if Roma weren't in there because Roma is really the big uh, movie for go-to awards movie um, this year. But I think it was really wonderful and really uh, heartwarming and uh, very emotionally poignant. Um, That's a great movie. Uh, Check it out if you can. There was another one called Burning that was out that I also saw that's a Korean film. It's very different, but both of them were uh, some of the better. I also saw Cold War, which is the Polish, I think, nominee. I don't know. All these will probably be in talks for the the foreign film Oscar. They were all really good. I, I could have interchanged. Like my... I was looking at my list and like my number like 17 through like 25 could have all been interchangeable. There wasn't really a lot separating them. I just kind of put the ones I wanted to talk about um, and that. So yeah, check that out and then we can move on. Uh, should I do my... 14 through 11. Then we have Madeline's Madeline. Sorry to bother you. Uh, number 12 is Game Night and number 11 is The Tale. Did you see those? I have Game Night in my top 10 because I thought that movie was hilarious. I meant to get to Sorry to Bother You, but yesterday I ended up editing podcasts for like 
seven hours and just didn't manage to get to that one because I thought I was going to get to Black Klansman, but then I checked HBO and it wasn't on there. I thought it was. Maybe I just made that up at some point or it was there and then it left, but then Sorry to Bother You was on Hulu. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll check that out. And it just did not happen. The Tale is one that's on my watch list. And I don't know anything about Madeline's Madeline. I think it's on, Madeline's is on Canopy and Amazon Prime, I think. Okay. Um, I'll talk about that one for just a quick minute. It's, that's a, it's a hard movie to talk about, but it's very, oh, where do I even start? This is, this is a weird one. This and Sorry to Bother You are big time weird ones. Um, just for, let me forewarn you a little bit. Um, I don't know if they're going to appeal to a lot of people. I, I think Sorry to Bother You has, but Madeline's Madeline is like a very uh, spacey, like very not linear, like jumping around. It's basically about um, this young, this like teenage girl who joins this theater troupe and the the head of the, the theater troupe is this older lady and she kind of becomes obsessed with her in a sense. And it's kind of just about like, like when you are when you make art of someone's life, like how, how are you, how you're like stealing from them and how you're interpreting like their struggle and if it's right to do that. And it's really just, it's just basically a movie about art and, um, and what it means to, uh, when you're in charge of other, because I think it's really the director is kind of like, it's very meta. It's about her process of making movies and how she feels about taking other people and inserting them into that. And it features this just, really spellbinding performance by uh the the lead the teenage girl her name is uh helena howard and she just really goes for it in this movie it's very hard to describe (laughs) um but it is really if you're into like art films or movies that tangle with that at all i think that this is definitely worth checking out it's kind of one of those where you'll be like well i don't know what to rate that kind of movies but um yeah i'd say definitely uh worth checking that one out i really enjoyed it and i probably should watch it again because uh yeah because i'm having such a hard time putting words to it but yeah it was very good and then sorry to bother you um is this freaking gonzo movie that's like really tank uh really uh addressing like cap what it's like to live in this like post-capitalist nightmare it's very everything that happens and it is very heightened it's kind of like an adult swim uh it's like an adult swim-esque kind of sense of humor but it's about um lakeith stanfield also from atlanta uh my favorite show of the year um plays this uh guy who gets a telemarketing job and he learns that um, the way to be successful is to use your quote unquote uh, white voice, which is like a, it was so he gets a voiceover from like David Cross right. um, when he's selling stuff to other people. And it kind of follows his this wacky journey that he goes on uh, regarding that. And it has an incredible cast. It has a lot of wacky wild twists and turns that I'm going to try not to spoil for you uh, here, but it is certainly uh, one of the most fun and what the fucky movies of the year. And I just love it to bits. I love that we're seeing very weird and creative movies like this and Madeline's Madeline um, in the theaters this year. And this got like a weirdly kind of big release. Like I saw it at like, like one of the bigger theaters by me. And I thought that was really tight. 
Um, but yeah, Sorry to Bother You is one of my favorite comedies, one of my favorite just uh, like critiques of capitalism going on right now. And it really feels like um, the director is Boots Riley, who I think is like a former, or maybe he still is, uh, a rapper. And he really... If he he made a movie like it was the only movie he was going to make, like he made a movie like he was robbing a bank. He crammed so many ideas and flourishes and different weird shit into this movie that I hope I'm not over, overstating it, but it is um, quite a ride. And it also has Army Hammer in it, who plays like a Jeff Bezos-esque CEO character that's really fun. Uh, Steve right. Yeon is in it. Uh, it's great. That movie rules so hard. I don't think it'll be for everyone, just like Madeline's Madeline, but um, I, I really enjoyed it. Oh man, we are taking up so much time and we haven't even gotten to the top 10 yet. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> it's fine. Before we dive into the top 10, though, I have a couple on my honorable mentions list that we don't necessarily need to talk about. And those two are Ocean's 8 and Halloween. And like I said, I enjoyed heist movies, so that's why Ocean's 8 is there. And Halloween, I guess I like horror more than you do. So <laughs> it's one of those things where I felt like it was a pretty good continuation from the original 40 years ago. So mm -hmm. it was just something that I think a lot of horror fans were going to get into, regardless of, you know, how well made it was. And obviously, they could do a lot more with a movie like Halloween in 2018 than they could in 1978. So definitely looked a lot better. <laughs> right on. Yeah, I haven't seen any of the Halloween movies, so I'm not a good person. <laughs> I pretty much skipped everything in between. I've seen the original a few times and mm -hmm. the new one, and I'm not sure I care to see the other eight, nine, however many are in between. <laughs> Yeah, the thing about horror movies is I feel like a lot of them is bad. Um, I think I only yeah. like ones that have like really, really good stories or are very like serious and shot well and just have all those things like uh, a couple of movies that we'll talk about later and like It Follows or like something like Cabin in the Woods, which is very meta um, and stuff like that. Uh, I guess we didn't talk about Game Night, but that movie is great. Yeah, I literally spit a ton of water out laughing during this movie, <laughs> and, and then I was banned from drinking water because I literally just like couldn't. I tried so hard to swallow the water, and I was like, "This is not <laughs> happening." And it yeah. was at that moment when they were all in the kitchen, mm -hmm. and it was after the shooting had happened—the accidental shooting. You know, Rachel mm -hmm. McAdams accidentally shoots oh, <laughs> Jason yeah. Bateman. I'm really bad with character names, so we're just going with the actor names right now. That's and, he, and he was like, "Honey, I think you uh, sewed this to my shirt." And I don't, it was just how he said it so <laughs> nonchalantly. And I happened to take a drink of water right then, and it was just like game over. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that movie was so good. It definitely one of the best studio comedies. Uh, I've seen in I don't know how long I really like Tag this year, but I think that Tag was like a more tame version of this, and that this right. was real because I think this I think it was rated R because I feel like there was a lot of R-rated stuff in like the vi the way the violence was done, yeah. but I also just feel like it was there was just so much care put into it, and it was shot incredibly well. It was neat that they had like the cameras on the car doors sometimes for some of those shots. It was really cool how they used whatever filter they used to make. There were scenes where like it would look like a board game or like pieces on like a board game or like a model scale something in that movie, and then just like every scene with Jesse Plemons. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so oh my god. Oh yes. my god. And did you know that it's the same uh dog 
from Game Night and Widows. Oh, wow. That is amazing. I did not know that. <laughs> the little white dog. It's the same dog. What it, What a year for that dog to just get carried around by uh, Jesse Plemons and Viola Davis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. best movies. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really hope that they continue doing more movies like Game Night, too. I think it's just something Hollywood really needs right now. And even if it's not going to make, you know, a hundred million or whatever sure. at the box office, it's one of those things where I think we need movies like this and yeah. A Quiet Place that aren't as big budget, but they just sort of take audiences by surprise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's just people taking a lot of care and like just putting a lot of effort into these movies. And I'm not, that's not to say that like, I'm sure every movie that gets made has a lot of care put into it, but just really sincerely trying to be creative with what you're given, even if when it's like these big studio movies, I think is really important when you see people like, like Game Night or Annihilation or, um, some or like spider-man <laughs> to not to spoil anything but when you see people taking the really pushing uh what they can do and taking these creative risks um that really work out i think that's uh super rad and uh really important to uh to furthering uh movies and to things being good for movies and stuff like that um but yeah we gotta uh, I'll I'll just say one word on the tale. It is uh, on HBO. It's a very very heavy watch, but it is very very essential. It's this. It's written, I think, and directed by the subject by the 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 subject of the movie. It's about her kind of revisiting her childhood and realize that she was like groomed to be in this like uh, disgusting kind of. Uh, pedophile type relationship with this older couple and it's just her like she thinks back and she's like oh that wasn't that bad and then she's like looking at all that stuff and she's like oh fuck so um it's really good uh laura dern is the star of it um it's her she plays like the present day version of herself and then another girl uh plays like the the past version of herself and it's kind of cut between like her search and the and then the actual events that happen and it's like really heavy but it is like uh, a complete tour de force from this uh this first time uh, she's like a she used to or she directed documentaries but then she's directed this movie which is about her own life so uh check that out if you want it's not for the faint of heart um it has some very uh it has the stuff that entails what i just said in it so if that is going to upset you maybe don't watch it but i definitely highly recommend it yeah it's been sitting in my hbo watch list for a while and it's just it's hard to convince yourself like okay this is the movie that i'm gonna watch tonight yeah yeah <laughs> definitely and there yeah. are a lot of movies like that that came out in 2018 it's just like okay i'm gonna need some time and because i had been watching the sopranos for the first time too i was like oh, wow. this show is so Sick. heavy and it's like i yeah. would get through a season in like a week or so and then i would need to take like a two or three month break <laughs> in between seasons and then come back to it so it was one of those things where i was like all right i just finished the sopranos i need some you know, light movies to watch here. But <laughs> I do want to get into our top 10 list and we can just go back and forth here. And obviously we have some that we've already discussed, but yeah. your number 10 is one that I have wanted to see, but I haven't noticed that it's, I think it's finally in the theater by me. So it's getting a wider release right now. I think like the last week or this week, it's going to definitely get, I think it's going to be at a lot of the theaters. 
yeah, so I think that will be one of the things that I watch this month for sure. But your number 10 is if Beale Street could talk. And you mentioned Brian Tyree Henry also being in this. And like you said, he's just having a great year. But you oh, saw this, so I will let you talk about it a little more in depth. Um, I'll talk about it a little bit. Um, it's this uh, low, it's very much uh, a very sincere very uh, straightforward love story between these two black families in um, the 70s, I think. And um, the the guy gets imprisoned. He gets accused of committing this crime and he gets imprisoned right as the uh, woman uh, finds out that she is pregnant. And that is kind of the thrust of the story. I don't think that's a spoiler. Um, and it's just kind of there it kind of flash flashes back to like how they were meeting and like their romance. And then it kind of flashes forward to see like how the families are trying to like help him or like what they're doing. Cause it's really about their families and just like the things that love uh, pushes us to do and how it motivates us and how important it is in our lives. And it is, it's from the director of Moonlight from Barry Jenkins. And I think he just has, he's, he makes good movies. He makes incredibly heartfelt, um, beautiful, beautifully shot, just uh, movies that I don't feel like I'm seeing every day. And I don't know, I felt, I, I don't know why, I feel like this is a hacky thing to say, but I, I kept comparing, I haven't seen Gone with the Wind, but it felt like I was watching like a, that kind of movie, like a, like just like a, a classic just like huge sweeping romance that's just completely earnest and completely heartfelt. And it's just, it's, it's beautiful and wonderful and has a, a, a great score. And yeah, it's definitely check it out. I hope that it's one of the awards nominees. Regina King just won something yeah, for it. Yeah, she won for she? it, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she won the Golden Globe for supporting. And she is very good in this. She is only... I feel like she no, she's in a lot of it. Um, yeah, she's she's very good in this. Um, and uh, Brian Tyree Henry, I think, is only in like one scene in it. Okay, but he has a like it's like a cameo. And but yeah, it's it's great. It's uh, very very emotionally effective. And uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, my number ten is you were never really here, and this is your number nine, so it's kind it of perfect right here. And mm -hmm. I just watched this based on your recommendation, and <laughs> I watched it with my parents. They didn't like it nearly as much as I did. So, what do you think of it? I really liked how they portrayed the psychological effects that his mm -hmm. job has on him because he's doing the right thing, but he's also doing a lot of horrible things to do the right thing. And right. you can see that taking a toll on him. And I noticed too, he was stuck in the past a lot. Yeah. And you could feel that through not only the flashbacks, but just the music that played the entire mm -hmm. movie. It was all, you know, from a certain era. Yeah. It's just, I think the direction, I, the first time I watched this, I feel like I was feeling like how you are, but then the second time I was like, Oh, fuck this is a perfect movie it's just it doesn't hold your hand at all it doesn't it barely gives you a lot of the details you have to really it really is one of the better like show don't tell because there's barely any dialogue in this movie yeah it, it just of like showing like what he's going through and how he's viewing this world and how he's suffering through ptsd and just the trauma that has engulfed his life and uh joaquin phoenix gives this very scary uh understated performance in this movie but he is just he, it's crazy how he just seems like the largest scariest bear of a man walking around fucking people up with a hammer in this movie 
And yeah, I, the, the, the second, the, the first time I watched it, I was like, holy shit. But then the second time I watched it, I was like, oh my God, this is, I like the people were talking about like for the second year in a row that there were like no female directors nominated, but like this movie, like for them to be nominating some of this other shit and not talking about the direction in this movie, it is truly insane. Yeah. It's kind of like Madeline's Madeline is kind of like, um, if, if I had to compare it to one other thing on here, um, I would say it's like this stylistically where it, you have to really surmise a lot of the stuff that's happening. But, and then there's like, the that scene like this movie does violence in a way that i don't feel like i see in other movies just like i don't uh, just it's so heavy and you can really feel everything that's happening and uh i could this is one of the movies i could talk to talk about for a longer time on here but yeah that's it's an incredible film it's on amazon prime and uh canopy if anybody hasn't checked it out it's joaquin phoenix who i think is one of our best actors uh today i think he's one of our maybe our best actor out there um and yeah what a, what an incredible affecting film i like that it wasn't a super long film either it was yes. it came in just under an hour and a half and mm-hmm. it's so rare to see that these days most movies are pushing two two and a half hours especially the superhero movies i think you know the next avengers movie is going to push nearly three hours Ooh. so it's one of those things where I like that people are still able to write and direct movies that don't need to be stretched out to hit that two hour mark. I feel like back in the 90s or so, there were a lot of hour and a half movies where you could just sit down and get through something quickly. Mm -hmm. And then you would also have these like nearly three hour movies like the Shawshank Redemption or something Mm -hmm. where it was worth it. But now it's kind of everything's in the middle. Yeah, they did what was best for the story. And now it's just like, oh, let's have all this filler. So we almost hit two hours. (laughs) Yeah. And there were like a lot of movies that I would be watching this year that would like be like acclaimed or something that I'd be excited for. And they would just go on for like two, like this week I watched Bad Times at the El Royale. And um, what was the other one? Shoot. There was, uh, oh, Leave No Trace. And like, Oh, and I watched Mandy pretty recently, too. And, like, all those films are, like, really good and have really great things going on in them, but, like, could have cut, like, a half hour out of any of those, and they would all be so much tighter and so much better. And it's just, like, I know those aren't huge studio movies, but just, like, any, like, whenever I see a movie that's, like, 90 minutes, I'm just like, oh, it's, like, I'm already, like, trying, I'm already, like, here for it. I'm like, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, and that movie just uses every second of it. So it's like cut to the bone, but it still is so effective and it still works and it still gives you everything you need for this movie. Yeah, like that, that, like you were never really here. So good. Watch it twice. Yeah. So going down my list, um, we talked about, well, we, we mentioned Fallout. We talked about Game Night. Can I talk about Minding the Gap? Yeah, that is one that I just saved to Hulu. Mm-hmm. And so I haven't got into that one just yet. But okay. yeah, so quickly here, though, nine on my list is A Quiet Place, which another movie, very little dialogue. So and then, like you said, uh, Fallout and Game Night, eight and seven. So your number eight is Mining the Gap. And that one I've been hearing a lot about. Mm-hmm. So I'm very interested in just sitting down and watching it hopefully soon. I think this weekend, I'm going to try and catch up on some of the things that I can just sit at home and watch mm-hmm. and then, you know, figure out what 
will be in theaters next week because like you said if beale street could talk that's sort of hitting a wider release now i'm also still waiting for destroyer to hit a wider release yeah i don't know if what the release for destroyer is going to be like i just know it's at the landmark right now yeah and i think i would probably count that more as a 2019 release i know it came out on christmas in like la and new york and that was it but it's one of those things where i think a couple of these movies actually show up under 2017 on Mm -hmm. some lists like i know first reformed is one we'll get to and when i did my 2018 movies list it was like not on there and i was like oh that's because it got its release in 2017 technically Mm -hmm. but it didn't come out in theaters and like a wider release until 2018 so we're kind of fudging some dates here (laughs) yeah well it's because like they have all these film festivals and then they'll screen these movies and then studios and then critics will see them and rate them then and be like oh this is the best movie i saw this year but then they don't actually get wide releases because they don't they have to get bought they have to get distributed whatnot um, until later so yeah i think a lot a a chunk of the movies will not necessarily line up because people on letterboxd are very uh specific about that and whatnot but (laughs) Yeah, uh, quickly, Minding Gap is uh, this documentary about uh, three friends, or you could say four friends, um, who are all teenage uh, skateboarders in this, like, Rust Belt town. I think it's in it's in Illinois. I forget exactly the town. But, um, yeah, it's about these three kids um, that kind of ended. One of them decided to start filming them, and Bing decides to start filming them, and then he kind of just traces uh these themes of like abuse and like troubled childhoods that run through their lives and it's like it starts out about him just like making this movie about his friends but then it morphs into like this investigation of like cycles of abuse and childhood trauma and poverty and post-capitalism and it's just a friggin gut punch of a movie that is just so emotionally uh, devastating. I would say that anyone could watch this movie and take something from it. Just like what you don't have to care about skateboardings as if you care about humans at all living in America this year, I think mining the gap is an essential, essential watch. And it's, yeah, yeah, you gotta, you gotta check it out. I think you'd really, really, uh, not necessarily enjoy it, but really, uh, feel it. (laughs) Yeah. It felt along the lines of mid 90s to me but in a different style is what i gathered i feel like mid 90s is writing this movie in a because mid 90s i feel like is just kind of taking like a feeling and trying to construct a whole movie about it i feel like the the like the plot was so kind of kind of like ramshackle on that movie that it was wasn't great it was more just like a feeling in an era whether this movie actually like has a story and traces these people's lives over years and like sees them struggle with way more detailed and yeah and it's just and it's shot so well because like he knows how to shoot the skateboard footage but he also like is really smart about there's a scene where uh the the filmmaker is interviewing his mother where it's like cutting she's like they have like all the lights set up for like a traditional interview show format and then it's like cutting between her and him like just sitting behind the camera and it's oh my god it's it's wild yeah but yeah mining the app probably the best documentary i saw i think it's really the only one in my yeah it's the only documentary in my top whatever so yeah check check it out it's on hulu uh it's really it's really something it's really i hope it wins the award or whatever 
judging by my love for the Tony Hawk games once upon a time, I think this is definitely something that's right up my alley because I would go to the Huntington Beach beach games and watch all the skateboarding there. I've gone to the X games. I don't want to understand it, but it's honestly not really about skateboarding. It's more, you'll see as you watch it, but it's more about what skateboarding means to them and right. how it has brought them together than it is like about like doing skateboarding, which I feel like mid nineties was more about doing skateboarding or trying to anyway, <laughs> but there were, there were parts in this movie that were like so heavy that I was like, Oh my God, go back to the skateboarding, bring back the skateboarding, <laughs> please. <laughs> I like things like that though, because it's kind of like sports documentaries. I mean, obviously skateboarding is now an extreme sport, I guess, but you know, I love watching those things where you just get, the chance to see and feel how everyone felt while playing the sport, even if it's not directly about the sport. So this is definitely going to happen this weekend. Yeah, I will I will update you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, just, uh, I'm excited for you to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to your number seven, because it is oh. also my number three, because, you know, we've already talked through my 10 through seven, pretty much. My number seven is Annihilation. I have a very interesting uh, relationship with this movie. I actually saw it at a preview screening like last like summer of 2017. I saw it at a preview screening. Was it even actually finished by then? It was. It took so long between that and then when it was actually released that um, I don't really remember, but I pretty... I pretty much feel like it was I saw the same movie. I don't feel like any of anything really changed between it, which is cool. I know sometimes they'll show previews and there's still like green screen in it and everything like that. (laughs) So I was just curious. But that is interesting that it was done so far ahead of time and it, it still didn't come out until 2018. It's had a very weird release that I some people would say they bungled. I actually also went to the premiere of the Hollywood premiere of it, which was awesome. Um, in Westwood and we saw Natalie Portman. She was like talking to these people sitting behind us and we were freaking out. Um, but yeah, Annihilation is this, uh, it's from the director of Ex Machina and it's this uh, wild sci-fi uh, drama that involves this all-female team of scientists led by Natalie Portman. Um, it's what, Natalie Portman, Gina, Rod- uh, Gina Rodriguez, Tessa Thompson, and um, who is the, Jennifer Jason Leigh, um, and it's them kind of going into this, this like alien area, yeah. um, that's like a swamp called the shimmer where everyone's DNA starts to get wacky. <laughs> it kind of, it's kind of, if you saw Ex Machina, it's similar, it's treading similar territory, but I feel like doing it on a grander, more, uh, on a bigger scale and it's, it's not a perfect movie, I would say, but it is like as far as like intelligent sci-fi goes, it's it it is that movie. It is so kick-ass and it is so creepy and like I, I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to add? I think it's actually a good thing that this didn't go completely in the same direction that the book that it's based off of did, because I think just visually this movie is so stunning and I didn't even necessarily mind the changes from the book because I had read the book. I don't remember if I did so before or after the movie, Mm -hmm. but I did so at some point. I forget when I read things because there's so many to remember, (laughs) but it's one of those things where I think 
as far as visuals go, this is probably my second favorite movie visually of 2018. And the first one we are going to talk about later because it is on both of our lists. But Mm -hmm. it was just so stunning. And I think they did put together a very nice cast for it. And I feel like anything that Tessa Thompson is in now is automatically just getting like an extra star (laughs) from me. So she, yeah, she all, you want to talk about people having moments. She just is in everything (laughs) right now. She's in the creeds. She was just in Thor last year. She's in sorry to bother you. She's in annihilation. She's going to be in that, that, um, that men in black. Yeah. It's coming, that new Men in Black movie. Also I'm actually kind forth. of looking forward to that. That looks fine. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure it'll be fun. But yeah, she she's also just friggin' out here killing it. And she is, yeah, and this, and she, I feel like every time I see her, I'm seeing a completely different character too. Like she yeah. put, like her character in this versus her character in Creed or in uh, Sorry to Bother You. It's like, I'm never, I, I, and, and then jumping to Thor to Ragnarok too is like, just yeah it's she she's really one of our best young actresses i would say and she's really seeing a lot of she's in these huge franchises now and isn't afraid to be in like weird movies like sorry to bother you or annihilation just rules yeah absolutely my number six is love simon and to me this is the present day john hughes basically it's like (laughs) a love song to john hughes in 2018 and i just thought it was really well done and it sort of hit all of those emotional beats you were expecting it to hit mm-hmm. and with it being more modernized it wasn't quite as cheesy as some John Hughes movies can be when mm-hmm. you go back and watch them now which I mm-hmm. really liked and it hits on topics that I feel like movies are starting to hit on more now so yes. it just really felt like it sort of got out front of that and Greg Berlanti was involved with this movie and I don't know when that dude sleeps because he does like all of the CW DC shows and he does Blind Spot and I don't even know what else he's doing but this was something that was refreshing to see and along it kind of reminded me along the lines of watching Lady Bird the year before Mm. and you sort of just get this really fun coming of age story that still hits you it, with all the feels, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I really liked Love Simon. I think it it was like it's number twenty eight on my list, but it's like in that like kind of trough of movies that I really really enjoyed, but um didn't like put as one of my favorites. But yeah, I think for what it is, it's like kind of the best possible version of what it is like as a like a cliche like teenage rom-com because I thought that it actually was legitimately funny it had like a great story the the lead was good the the um the issues that it dealt with were um were topical and I think it did a very good job at what it was and I think it really people loved that movie earlier in the year it was a yeah I I definitely enjoyed it uh, I think as much as I could enjoy it which is saying something because i was watching it i was looking at trailers for it going eh. but yeah my my friend made me go watch it and had, we had a really fun time and i think it's uh and i i hope it could be that movie for a lot of teens that are struggling with uh issues like this or just or that movie that people watch with their parents just to be like see it's normal they made a cliche hollywood rom-com about it it's fine yeah and i think we we saw a lot of that um in the last couple of years you've seen just like whether it just like Hollywood figuring figuring out that diversity is a thing and people will watch it, like whether it's with like Black Panther, Crazy Rich Asians, uh, you just see a lot of these um, just like 
other groups getting slotted into traditional Hollywood movies. Um, and I think that is cool. Yeah. And <laughs> your number six and my number five have our highest ranking horror movie on this list. And I, I understand why this is something that would make your list, but Halloween wasn't necessarily something you'd be into because this is definitely a different type of horror movie. It's not going mm -hmm. off of one of the big mm -hmm. horror franchises, which, you know, you, you have Halloween, you have Freddy, you have Jason, you have, you know, some other stuff, Chucky. I, there there are a yeah, lot like and there characters. are a lot of movies for each of those franchises. Mm -hmm. But to get something like Hereditary in the horror genre is just pretty refreshing, too. It's one of those things where you have this complete story and it's a horrible, sad story, oh my God. too. And you add sort of this supernatural horror religious element to it. I don't even know what you would call it necessarily. There were so many things yeah. going into this movie and you were like, oh, okay, wow, that was a lot to take in right now. Oh my God. And yeah, I, I'm glad you liked it because I've, I've seen a lot of people just, I've seen the the ending and the, like the way that the supernatural stuff not to, I'm not going to really spoil it, but like the way that the ending and the supernatural stuff is incorporated into the movie, I think cheesed off a lot of people yeah. because it kind of, if you didn't expect it, it really goes there. It really goes to a weird place. Um, and if you don't see it coming, uh, it's really going to throw you for a loop, I'd say. But yeah, I think Hereditary just has this really well done family drama. It's really, because it's basically just a family drama that has just freaky scary shit attached to it yeah sometimes um but uh tony collette's performance in this is oh my god i don't know how i can look at her the same way again after the looks that she gave at me in this movie <laughs> she is uh oh, jesus christ I, I i saw this i only saw this movie once and i saw it in theaters and it was the most just watching this movie with like a full theater was just like the most tense thing I think I've ever been a part of. The ending is so like when she's, well, I guess I am spoiling it, but the, there's a couple scenes where she's like, where she like goes demony and like, she's like scurrying across like the roof or yeah. the ceiling or where she's like creeping across. She's like, there's a scene that's one of my favorite shots of the year where it's like him and it like, just, you sort of just, she's just hanging from the ceiling in the corner of the room and, and the teenage son is in front and it's just goes on for so long that you just want to die yeah <laughs> until she finally pops up oh my god yeah hereditary i think is five star it's like it's a masterpiece uh for the horror genre i think and it's a it's a debut it's a first time director made this and I, yeah if you like horror at all if you don't get scared if you don't get too scared i think you need to watch it it's just just a just an incredible <laughs> horror movie and this is coming from a person who you could say probably kind of hates horror movies right but yeah just the and i i think i i was kind of on board with all the stuff i don't know how much you we haven't really talked about it but how much you were on board with like them setting up like the the logo of the cult the, the insignia or how the people show up or all that weird stuff that happened. Did you see it coming? Did you kind of see the twists and stuff? Or what did you think? I think as soon as Anne Dowd's character sort of saw the light in the medium and everything like that, it really reminded me of the role she played in Leftovers. 
Mm, okay. So I was like, oh, okay. I, th- yeah. I think I know <laughs> where like, this is going, going based, based on that because it was a similar role for her, but she does play a different character. You know, there's that loss in The Leftovers and there's that religious culty oh, yeah. crazy group. So <laughs> it, it really felt like her character was going along those lines again. And, you know, when Tony Collette notices the welcome mat, and makes that comment, oh, my mom used to make those. Mm-hmm. And then you sort of get to piece things together along the way. And I think that's... It gives you kind of, everything. But yeah. You, only certain people are going to notice it. I think if you don't, like, I don't want to, like, say, if you don't know how to watch films. Um, <laughs> I think if you are really paying attention, I think it, because they're, I don't know if you noticed this, but, like, that logo, what the little insignia of them is on the pole at the beginning of the movie when they're driving and you know what happens there it's actually okay. off. they drive past it and that is that that logo is on the pole that uh does some damage yeah i did not catch that but as soon as she started going through her mom's stuff and looking at the books and everything like that i was like yeah i see where this is going <laughs> yep <laughs> uh great movie great movie and i think that made me okay with the ending because mm-hmm. you could yeah. see it coming if you were you know sort of paying close enough attention and not everyone has to pay as much attention as we do in movies which you know that's fine right but i think that the ending kind of you it i saw it pissed a lot of people off because they were like that came out of nowhere i didn't expect that at all and i'm like no you could totally it was it was all those clues (laughs) and it was great it was perfect um yeah but and yeah, it takes takes a weird turn. Um, I like that it had that element of I think an element of like unexpected weirdness is key to any good horror movie. Just something that is just not of the typical things you see in movies really has to be present for you to really get into it. Um, should I have you done? Uh, what else should we talk about? Let's go to your number five because it is very very different. And I'm kind of excited to hopefully see it. I mean, it's very different from Hereditary, that is. Yes. Okay. Yeah. They're both weird. Um, but <laughs> the favorite is uh, probably my favorite of the like movies getting awardsy love right now. It okay. has three of my three just incredible all-in performances uh, from the lead actresses. It's kind of like a three, three and a half if we're throwing in Nicholas Holt because he's great in this movie too. Um woman show and uh it's uh olivia coleman rachel weiss and emma stone who are all uh up for awards and it's um the director of the lobster and uh the killing of the sacred deer and Dogtooth, um who's making this movie and it's a period drama slash comedy about this queen who's kind of nutty in uh like they want to say it like 1800s England. And uh, it's about these two women who are like tr- vying for her favor. They're like vying to be her because she's um, sort of cuckoo. So there's a lot. So they're kind of trying to take advantage of her and get to power. And it's very funny. It's very mean. It's very uh, vitriolic kind of movie. It's it's so it's oh, it's the best. It's shot really weirdly. It has all these weird uh lenses and pans going on and lots of weird uh medieval i keep saying weird um medieval debauchery like there's a scene where they're racing ducks that's shot so strangely there's a scene where they're hucking oranges at this uh dude who looks like james corden 
Um, it's, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a perfect movie. It's another perfect movie. Um, it's just, a, just, a just a big crowd pleaser. I'd say that I can't get enough of, uh, the performances and just everything about it is, is the best. It's so funny. It's paced so well. It's has the, the performances are great and it kind of, uh, morphs into a kind of, uh, it takes a twist where it kind of turns into like a, a love story at the end, which is, um, very interesting. It wasn't what I was expecting because you kind of expect it to zig and it's kind of zags. Um, but, uh, yeah, the favorite is definitely my favorite of the bunch of awards movies out right now. So check it out. Deanna. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, th- this was, like I said, one of the ones that I intended to go see in theater, and then it just disappeared. And I was like, oh, okay, all right, that was fast. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. In LA, I feel like it's so different from everywhere else, because like, movies yeah. will get longer runs, they'll come out here first, they'll come out multiple times, it's weird. And you know me, I'm too lazy to drive up to LA just to see a movie. I don't yeah, even like want to drive up to LA to go to shows anymore. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. no. <laughs> no, it's horrible. <laughs> Who wants to sit in a rush hour to go to a show for a few hours and then have to drive all the way back and spend more time in your car? <laughs> I feel it, man. I feel it. Which is, it, it is nice that the AMC that's only a few miles away typically will get a lot of these movies. They just don't get them for as long. So I think we'll, we'll talk about some 2019 anticipated movies and movie goals as soon as we're done with this list but you know that that's something i'm going to work on but my number four is black panther i just really loved how this sort of transcended the superhero genre and it was just such a big movie and even if you know money wise infinity war did better or whatever i don't really care about that i think black panther had a much bigger effect just in general and it has one of the best villains that we have seen in I think pretty much any superhero movie since Heath Ledger's Joker, maybe. Yeah, I'd put him up there for sure. He's very charismatic, and uh, Michael B. Jordan is Killmonger. He's and he he's kind of the first time I watched the movie, I was like, wait, he he's kind of right though. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what makes him such a good villain too. Though mm-hmm. it's like you can sympathize with him way Absolutely. more than you can with Ultron or you know some of oh, these God, villains yeah. where you're like uh no yeah, bye that's <laughs> the major criticism of Marvel movies like as a whole is their lack of good villains and I think in the last like year they've sort of addressed it with um with uh, Killmonger and then kind of uh going into Thanos Thanos is this whole other thing and yeah uh, I, I think he was a good villain but yeah, definitely. I, I really, I liked Black Panther. I don't think I liked it quite as much as everyone else. I thought it was kind like, I, I, I know what it did and I think it's very important and I think right. it had elements of it that were super kick-ass, but I don't know. I just, I thought it was, for me, it was kind of just like a by the numbers Marvel movie that just happened to be the first of its kind to feature a black cast. And that's, that's awesome. I love that. But I didn't, I don't know. Uh, something about it. I did. I think his. Uh, I think the villain is probably one of my favorite parts of it. I think he is so. I think he <laughs> he is dangerously uh, more charismatic than Chadwick Boseman. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I, uh, Black Panther was tight. <laughs> and obviously, our lists are reflecting what we enjoyed watching the most. So you know, it's one thing to understand the importance of a movie, and another to 
enjoy it as much as we've enjoyed some of these. And I think that's totally fine. It's like, as long as people understand why Black Panther was important, I don't care if, you know, they didn't enjoy it as much as I did. <laughs> I mean, and, and it's still like a giant superhero movie. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I'm. I always see all of them, and I always enjoy all of them. I, I have a question for you. Okay. How do you How do you feel uh, the people making Aquaman felt when they watched Black Panther, considering their stories are safe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it is sort of this familial dispute in mm-hmm. both of them, and mm-hmm. whether or not that is apparent from the start for everyone else in Black Panther. I I think because of them introducing Aquaman in Justice League, well, they they actually introduced him in Batman v Superman, if I'm not mistaken. He had a little cameo there, but we saw him outside of his rightful place, basically. Mm -hmm. So introducing him that way, it's like, okay, Eventually, when we get that solo Aquaman movie, we know we're going to have to go to Atlantis. Yeah. You you can't not go to Atlantis with mm-hmm. Aquaman ever. So I I think it is interesting <laughs> I just how think it similar was so funny they that, are. Yeah, I think it's very funny that they are... Like, because they did the same thing I, with Black Panther for Marvel. We don't mm-hmm. see Wakanda the first time we see him. We He's representing... Wakanda, but he's not there. So, you know, they definitely have similar storylines, but that that's how it's always been with Marvel and DC, even with the comics. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, you have, you know, this character, you know, in Namor, and then you have Aquaman, and they're like the same character, but Aquaman's more popular, I think, yeah. anyway. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> then you, you know, you have a lot of these parallels, like you have some of the X-Men characters who are similar to the flash and these other heroes so there's always been that going on with the comic books themselves so it doesn't bother me all that much because it's kind of a given you know they're competing against each other they're going to want to have similar characters and similar stories to draw people in yeah and let's face it uh, obviously aquaman is making like it's been number one at the box office for like a month now um obviously people don't care (laughs) and aquaman is also kind of doing a different thing in that it's trying to be like 30 movies at once whereas black panther has a much more focused uh type of approach where it is like definitely clear like what movie it is from the beginning and it kind of very much is committed whereas aquaman i felt like some parts i was watching like Rages of the Lost Ark. I felt like some parts I was watching uh, Lord of the Rings. You know, it goes on. Um, but we don't yeah. need to talk about that because that's not on either of our lists. And I'm sure <laughs> you'll talk about it later and talk about that insane movie. Um, should we talk about the big one or should I go into my top three? What do you think? Why don't we go ahead and just sort of finish off our list and then talk about the remaining <laughs> movies because we've already talked about Annihilation and Widows on my list, but you have four movies left that we have yet to talk about. So go ahead and give those. So my top four are Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Paddington 2 is number three. Eighth Grade is, these are, there's a lot of numbers in these. Uh, eighth Grade <laughs> is number two. And First Reformed is first. That's that's on brand. That's good. Very fitting. And obviously Spider-Man is number one for me. So oh, yeah. <laughs> that rounds out my yeah. list. And I'll post our lists in the show notes because one thing I've noticed when I'm listening to podcasts where they're doing top 10 lists or whatever, I never remember all of the movies by the end of the podcast. And I'm just like, where are your lists? Yeah. 
Well, because everyone's like, oh, that's my five and that's my nine. And yeah. we'll just talk about that first. And <laughs> da, da, da. And it's just kind of turns into like a mess. Yeah. So unfortunately, with your top three, I have only seen First Reformed. And that's one I just watched recently, too. And Whoa. it was one of those movies where I understand why so many people liked it. But for me, it just didn't hit quite as hard as I was thinking it would. So it's in my honorable mentions. I did give it a four out of five, though. So like I said, you don't have to feel obligated to like things just because other people like them. Uh, but yeah, First Reformed is like, it's the only movie. Uh, it's like on another level when it comes to movies that came out this year. It's yeah. really, it's tangling, or it's addressing, it's it's about... Um, it's by Paul Schrader, who made, who uh, wrote Taxi Driver and has made a lot of movies. Um, he's uh, very old. Um, but uh, it's about this pastor who becomes radicalized after encountering this uh, radical environmentalist. And it's kind of him struggling with his religion and how it plays into what is happening to the world in terms of global warming, climate change, and it's just sort of him breaking down. Um, and uh, yeah, it's for me, it's uh, Ethan Hawke gives this in, this incredible performance, and the movie is really tackling uh, these issues head on that I think are things that people that are going to become very, very, very real and important to us. And it's kind of addressing our oncoming doom in a way. And kind of reckoning with that and reckoning with religion in terms of that. And it's an incredibly challenging movie. It's incredibly uh, well made and it, it, I, for me is uh, incredibly effective. Right. Uh, it's shot uh, in this weird claustrophobic box of an aspect ratio. <laughs> yeah. At first I was like, is this right? And then I was like, oh, okay, this is right. That's on purpose. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's very, it's like a square box that you're watching. And there's, um, it's pretty much like non, it's pretty much just like stationary cameras of just people talking um, for most of the movie. And then it kind of takes a turn later on. Uh, but yeah, it's really the only movie that's honestly like talking about uh, these issues that I, I, I don't see how people ignore them. Yeah. Um, don't see how people like, how do you, it's like, how do you live your life when all this is going on? How do you reckon with this? How do you, how do you, and es especially for him, cause he kind of finds out this like pseudo conspiracy, um, leading to, uh, regarding his line of work. Um, but it's like, how do you, I can't, will, will God forgive us? Like how, how do you, how do you live your life? How do you deal with having children? How do you deal with having a career when like you're living in such an, you have such an apocalyptic sense of the world. And uh, I can see that not hitting everybody quite the way it hit me. For me, it's just like a mile ahead of everything else. Like from the second, from when I first watched it, I was like, this is my number one. And then that was in like June. And <laughs> yeah. Has, they're like, I mean, I wish I could like Spider-Man is great in a completely, completely different way. And what it's doing is so like, I can't even compare the two. And then likewise with like eighth grade and Paddington too are also just, they're all such diverse 
movies that <laughs> are doing different things and using different tools and telling different stories. And they're all so good and so important to me that I'm so blessed that we got to have all these movies this year. And there's such a, like last year for me, my favorite movies were like the ones that were nominated for awards. It was like uh, Shape of Water and uh, Lady Bird and uh, Phantom Thread, which were all like the awards movies. But this year it's very right. different. I don't like the, the awards ones as much. But yeah, that's First Reform. Check it out. It's on Canopy and Prime because it's an A24 movie. Love A24. Yeah, I think for me, this was one of those movies where you could definitely see the psychological effects that it was having on the main character in a similar way that you could with You Were Never Really Here. And I think those two were kind of close for me. And I went with You Were Never Really Here just because I like the unique style of that one a little yeah. more than I liked First Reformed. And like I said, aside from Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, pretty much everything on my top 10 list, except for A Quiet Place, I gave a four out of five. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of four out of fives this year. And I was very stubborn with four and a halfs and fives because I only gave a five to Spider-Man. <laughs> whatever my freaking 15 through 25 were like all four four stars so yeah, yeah it's you know we're yeah. talking about letterboxd here people if you're not if you're not uh familiar <laughs> we'll also link to that because it's a wonderful movie app so <laughs> yeah it's the best go on letterboxd follow us but i know eighth grade is one that i missed out on i think it was one of those things where it also had a weird release as far as a wide release. And I think I had movie pass at the time still when this came out. And for whatever reason, I was not able to. Is that during like the it. great movie pass collapse of. <laughs> Pretty much. I, I, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When it just kind of stopped working for everyone at once. But this one is coming to prime relatively soon. If it already isn't up there. I didn't see it when I was looking for some of the movies to watch. I think it goes up on the 13th. It'll be on Amazon Prime and Canopy. Shout out A24 again. Yeah, <laughs> they're on a roll. Yeah, Eighth Grade Rules. Um, it's directed by Bo Burnham, the comedian. Just a very, basically just a very honest portrayal of what being in eighth grade is in the current moment, being in what being a teenager is, how you deal with uh, school, social media, um, just the the social atmosphere of that movie how the internet affects these people these young people and it just features just this truly devastating and real performance from elsie fisher um she got nominated she's like 15 16 and she got nominated for a golden globe for lead actress which is very deserved that was like one of the only things i was stoked on uh for that and she it's just amazing how she can just turn on this like weird sort of uh confidence but you also are cripplingly self-doubting and you're like trying to do something but you don't know how to do it and it's just she just is so it's so real it's like you're watching her real life it's just like she can turn it on for this movie and it just uh really if you were a certain age it really uh is such an accurate portrayal of like scrolling on the internet I don't think I've ever seen somebody do, aside from maybe searching, um, somebody do scrolling on the internet the way this does it. And it's very funny. It's very, uh, very rough emotionally, depending on how much you're going to relate to the characters and how much you grew up with this sort of thing. I know there were people that I watched it with that are afraid to watch it again because of how heavy it hit them. Um, but it's, it's, it's a, a, a very, uh, wonderful, joyous movie. It's an, also another incredible, uh, debut directing a film for Bo Burnham and it is it has a lot of uh 
his trademark sense of humor, if you're familiar with him as a comedian, um, it really, he's, he's truly a really talented director. I think he's kind of leaving comedy behind and he's going to focus more on directing. Um, and if it keeps giving us movies like this, I'm going to be so happy. Uh, it's yeah, you'll, you'll watch it. You'll love it. Uh, go check out eighth grade. It's going to be on, uh, on your streaming services soon. Yeah. And I know you are upset with me about not watching the Paddington movies yet. So I will put that at the top of my list. Don't worry. I think Paddington 2 is streaming on HBO or something, but I don't think the first one is. The first one was on on Netflix for a while. I don't know if they took it off. I can check, actually. So Paddington 2 is my number three. It came out like a year ago. It's um, a wonderful, wonderful, beautiful, sweet, hilarious uh kids movie about cgi bear yeah it does look like they took it off of netflix that sucks um cgi bear living in london who uh make his i i call him a superhero because his superpower is friendship and his weakness is everything um he gets into lots of shenanigans and it's just this uh it's like a kids movie masterpiece i don't know when i saw a kids movie that resonated with me like this because it's just so beautiful and heartwarming and funny and sweet and has great uh inclusive themes at the heart of it it also has this absolutely dynamite performance from uh hugh grant plays the villain uh he plays this uh like old london theater guy who's like trying to reclaim his glory and keeps doing different characters and it's oh it's so good but yeah there are there are sequences in this movie that are some of my favorite things i've seen in any movie ever there's this part at the very beginning that's like a this stylized pop-up book um, like montage that is just completely inspired. Uh, it's and I, I don't know. It, I've watched I watched this movie like four or five times this year. Every time it just I'm like, is it gonna drop for me? And then it doesn't. So, uh, Pad- Paddington is my best friend. Uh, he's the <laughs> namesake of my uh, trivia team, and he. I don't know what else to say. I, I don't feel like I really. I want to convince people to like this movie, but like. If you don't, then that's your loss, man. Um, if you have kids at all and you're listening to this, I think it is one of the best children's movie of the last decade, certainly the best live action one. And it's just very nice and sweet. And I think we need some of that in our day to day. And it's very much a bright spot for me. It's like a comfort, a comforting movie for me. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. I've already talked about Paddington so much this year. <laughs> But yeah, in the desert that is children's entertainment, I feel like Paddington is an oasis. And it does seem like a movie that a lot of people have enjoyed, whether it's critics or just, you know, parents taking their kids to it or whatever. And I think the same can be said for our final movie on our list to talk about, which is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, because this is Sony really diving into not only the Spider-Man characters that they have the rights to, but just this whole animated world that you wouldn't be able to sort of represent in the same way in a live action film. And I Mm -hmm. think they took that to the extreme with this because you have different textures with the animation. You have these different styles based on whatever character is being portrayed. And I think Mm -hmm. that's something that just visually really stood out. And this was literally putting comic book pages on Mm -hmm. a ginormous screen in front of your face and animating it. And I think that's why so many people have 
love this because, you know, you can watch something like Incredibles 2, which I also enjoyed this year, but it wasn't quite as groundbreaking. You know, they kind of kept that same feeling that we've had with Pixar movies for the last, you know, 10, 15 years, give or take. And this just sort of took the animation to a level that I don't think will be easy for other companies to replicate either. So it's it's just something wow. that felt so unique <laughs> to the genre. Yeah. Well, okay. So Sony made their, they invented literally a new style of animation for this right. movie. They, they CGI'd everything. They CGI'd the entire movie and then they hand drew over it in Adobe to create the the look and feel of that yeah. universe and they are they are trying to copyright that animation style um labor intensive as it may be uh we'll see if they can do that i hope they don't um because that's kind of evil but <laughs> yeah it's i've never seen an animated movie that that moves the way this one does it's yeah it's it's a whole it's complete it's it's it's, it's, it's in a league of its own when it comes to um uh, animation and it's the it's literally the highest rated movie on Letterboxd this year, which is pretty tight um, because it's a masterpiece and there's no other way to look at it. It's basically I would say plot wise it, it kind of reminds me of like the Lego movie because it is uh, the same producers uh, Phil Lord right. and uh, Miller and I know that Phil Lord was really uh, when they got ki- I, I heard that when they got kicked off of the solo movie um, that they really went in on uh this movie especially phil lord i think really took uh charge of the story of this movie and was really what made it work uh but yeah it's it's hilarious it's heartfelt it crams so much into it in terms of like characters and story and interesting flourishes and everything is just nailed they just nailed it on every level it's uh, the music is great the animation is obviously great the act the voice cast and acting is is inspired like jake johnson is super good as a uh as a like middle-aged peter parker <laughs> middle-aged fat dad's regretful spider-man <laughs> and then they have all these fun cameos and other characters like all the other spider-men from the other universes are so fun they have nick cage and john mulaney as them uh yeah it's i've taken i've watched this movie with different people every time and we've all enjoyed it like kind of for different reasons but kind of all for the same reason because it just is the it's 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 a perfect movie it's it's really um showing that when you feel just when you feel like the superhero genre is stagnant or isn't going anywhere like this movie comes to kick you in the freaking face when you just when you think the spider-man movies are going to be the venom verse like this thing comes out or just when you think that uh an animated superhero movie can't make a ton of money like this actually i don't know how much money it's making but it's 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 the best it's it rules i wish i in a lesser year it would be my number one or if i was younger it would probably be my number one because i truly do love it i've seen it three times now and i think this one would actually be an interesting one to check out in 3d did you see it in 3d i did not i think this would be just because i'd be curious as to what they do with it you know I feel like it might give me a headache, so <laughs> I've been a little reluctant to try and go see 3D movies. But this is one of the only ones that I'd be like, just at least curious about. Yeah, so oh, I oh. looked, and it's made 275 million worldwide so far, and for an animated movie, that's pretty good. And I don't think Sony can really 
complain about that result because people are still going out to see it. Like you said, you've seen it three times. I've been tempted to go back and see it, but I'm really bad at watching things more than once. So that's okay. You'll probably we'll watch it when it comes out on. Oh whatever. yeah, I can definitely see people buying this one like crazy just because it's so. It feels so rewatchable. Oh, absolutely. Every fiber of this movie has like, it's, it's, it's one thing I was thinking about. It's like the perfect combination of like having so many fan Easter eggs and having just being like total, total fan service at every, but it also like doesn't matter. Like none of it matters. And it's diverse too. I think that's something that really hits home because you have, you know, some Spanish in this movie and it's not even subtitled. And I actually kind of like that because it's not enough for you to really need to know what's being said if you don't understand Spanish, but you get sort of this essence of what hit, what Miles Morales's home life is like. It's like, you know, his mom will just yeah. go blurting something out in Spanish, <laughs> you know, and it, it's normal. Yeah, they code switch like that. Yeah, it's the best. It rules. It's I think it's my favorite superhero movie. And it's not even close this year. Like, I think anybody who hasn't seen it in the theater should try to go out and see it in a theater, because I think that you need to let yourself have that at least once just because it is like, it's literally something you've never seen before. It's I can't really say that about anything else on this list. You have never seen a movie that looks like this in your life. Yeah, it was so great. I was so happy when I went to go see it. Yeah, it's it's it, it kicks so much ass. It's the best. Yeah. Well, we've been going on for quite a while here. So I want to yeah. quickly touch on the worst movie we both watched this year. Mine was some movie on Netflix that my mom and I decided to watch one night, and it's called Edge of Fear. It has several Ooh. prison break alumni so i was like all right i'll try it out it was so bad it was so bad <laughs> i was like no no thank you here i haven't even heard of this one the edge of wait this is like a is it like a oh it is this okay is it like an asian movie there is an asian couple in it so i think it was some sort of co-production and then yeah, I, I don't know the details of its release or anything, but I saw it was from 2018. I was like, did this even come out in theaters? I, I'm not convinced it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't even heard of this one. You're the only person on my letterbox that has watched it. So yikes. Yeah, so, sometimes we just pick bad movies on Netflix to watch and it's a thing that happens and it's it's fine. <laughs> I don't want to. I could talk about this movie a lot too. Uh, it's so funny. I had my two friends that are on my trivia team. We all had the same number one, which was First Reformed, and we all had the same bottom one, which was called Welcome to Marwin. And I think it's still in theaters. And please don't see it or, or do, because it is the one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life. We went to a preview screening of it, and we were sitting in like we kind of got there late, so we were kind of in the front row. Um, but we were just like in awe of this movie. It stars Steve Carell. It's by Robert Zemeckis, who you may know as the filmmaker, um, behind like Castaway and Forrest Gump, but you'll probably more know if you watch this movie as the filmmaker behind, uh, the Polar Express and, uh, Christmas Carol. And it's Steve Carell stars as this, this, no, he's not even a military vet. He's this guy who, he was this artist who gets brutally, uh, attacked by this gang of Nazis, um, this gang of neo-Nazis, and is left with really bad PTSD and has forgot, lost a lot of his memories because of his brain damage. And he finds solace in the constructing of a model, like, doll house-sized village, like a World War II-style village uh, in his backyard. And that sounds cozy and heartwarming. It's based on a true story. It's based on a documentary called Marwin Call. 
Um, but this movie just starts there and goes wrong in every possible way. It's like it's a calamity on every level. It's his his performance is bad. The dolls are like so. The dolls are it's like him and then a bunch of like women that are it's like this squad of like commando women that are all based on people that he has met keyword met in his life not even like his friends just people (laughs) that he met once just like yeah like and it's like border like this movie like takes things that are like insanely creepy and plays them as like cute sweet things like i I wish i could i could do a whole podcast on this movie it's so (laughs) it's so tremendously bad but like the direction is horrible the the comedy doesn't work it, it it's an exhaustingly calamitous disaster of a movie that has a very troubling message about like ptsd and mental illness and like how people with that should handle that and it is just disgusting it is a disgusting movie it is a failure on every level everyone who was involved with this movie should be ashamed um and uh, I could go more into that, but I don't feel like being negative. I like geeking out on more positive <laughs> stuff. Yeah. But yeah, uh, it's, it, I mean, I'm not going to say don't watch it because it is good to like know who the enemy is. Like in terms of, okay, this is a bad movie. Like it's good to know like, okay, that, that was horrible. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Marwin. Total failure. Bad, bad. Yeah. I have no intentions of going to see this in theater. I think yeah, I think there are still plenty of other things for me to catch up on. To where I won't need to feel obligated to go see this. But yeah, I definitely saw some of your tweets and stuff about it. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe not. <laughs> oh, welcome to Marlin. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't know if you do this or not, but I've been seeing a lot of people setting movie goals. And this is something I do more so with books. I'll, you know, I use Goodreads and I'll set a goal in there for the reading challenge or whatever. But for me, I kind of just want to use my AMC A-list a little more than I have been. I've been trying to go at least like three times a month. So it kind of pays for itself because it's 20 bucks yeah. a month. And I think it's going to go up at some point after I've had it for 12 months because I yeah. I don't remember why. But, you know, it's going up <laughs> like six bucks or something in seven months for me yeah i think it's i think my friend who just my friend who just signed up for it said that it's gonna i think stay that it stays the same for like a chunk of time and then yeah. it's gonna change but movie goals for 2018 i think i want to watch more probably old movies because i feel like there's a lot same. of <laughs> uh directors that i am like oh i really love this one movie by them but i haven't seen all these other movies and i really want to sort of start delving into filmographies. There's a really good podcast I like called Blank Check where they talk about, uh, they'll just take a director and then watch every movie in the filmography and discuss it. And I really like that idea. And it is my favorite, one of my favorite podcasts. So I think that is a good uh, tool to get me to like a good, because I can like watch a movie, listen to the podcast, watch a movie, listen to the podcast. So I think that's like a fun uh, thing that I'll try to do this year a little bit more. I, um, my watching of movies is going to be directly tied to like how my movie pass continues and if (laughs) it cancels on me or stops working which is very likely or if um or if i switch to if i switch to amc so we'll see um but yeah that's about all i've got i feel like most of mine is going to be dominated by all the stephen king movies i have to watch so that that is something that's that's yeah that is something that will happen (laughs) Is there like a number for like how many of those 
there are? Are there like I have a spreadsheet. I can find out. <laughs> Good morning. Should we talk about a any? I mean, I feel like I don't know which movies are going to be my favorite movies. I, we could just talk about like the big releases, which are like all Disney movies. <laughs> yeah. I I think as um, far as anticipated movies go, I'm really excited to see how Us turns out from Jordan Peele because Get Out I'm was sure so big. And I think aside from, you know, the typicals, like you said, Disney superhero movies and that stuff, that's sort of what mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to the most. And finally getting to see Destroyer once that wide release happens because Nicole Kidman looks fantastic in that. And she's having quite a run, too. You know, she's in that. She was in <laughs> Boy Erased, which I wanted <laughs> to see but didn't. And then, yeah, Aquaman, which... Yeah, what a friggin' weird year for her. <laughs> that is a... What a trio. Yeah, but I think that sort of goes to show that people are willing to... And that she's willing to take on these different roles. Because from what I can tell, all three of those roles are distinctly different. From what I can tell, you're right. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's like coming right off of last year she was in... Uh, Killing of the Sacred Deer, Beguiled, and um, what's it called? Uh, uh, Big Little Lies. Yes. So, I still yeah, have to watch she's... Big Little Lies. I, I have TV things Lies that I need fun. to get to as well. I think you'd like it. Yeah. So much fun. content. So little time. <laughs> but yeah, then there's like the obvious, like there's uh, Star Wars and um, the Godzilla movie looks tight. Uh, there's like Detective Pikachu. Detective Pikachu yes. and Sonic. Who knows? Who knows what those will be like? I'm really stoked. The Lego movie, the first one, was one of my favorite movies, is, is one of my favorite movies of all time. And so there's the second one of those that's different directors, but it'll still be fun, I'm sure. Of course, your Avengers. I kept, I'm kind of worried about Captain Marvel. Yeah, I, I'm i all in on the Marvel movies at You're this point because I think it helps when you've read some of the comics too. And recently, Captain Marvel was one of the comics that I just really love that and Miss Marvel okay. I kind of wish there was a Miss Marvel movie coming I don't know if that's in the works because Ooh, yeah. Marvel plans so far girl. ahead yeah <laughs> yeah stretchy girl Marvel plans so far ahead though that you know I think they have through like 2025 planned out or something ridiculous oh yeah and they like haven't said like what any right. of them are they're just like yeah there's four movies this year five movies this year three movies this <laughs> yeah, year four movies exactly just like and they like can't say any of them until uh then the Avengers movie happens, which is pretty wild that it's such a safe bet that they can just be like, yeah, we're doing all these and we're not going to tell you anything about them until this other movie happens. Yeah, and I think 2019 could also be the year DC finally gets back on track a little more if they nailed the tones of both Wonder Woman 1984 and Shazam, which I think they have a good chance at doing that. Is Wonder Woman this year? Is that this year? I thought it Or it's 2020. I think I pushed back to 2020, yeah. What else is oh Joker's this year, isn't it? With Joaquin Phoenix. Oh God, that Joker. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff. Disney keeps announcing and changing their schedule that I can't I find it harder to keep track of their stuff. I just know that they have a truly overwhelming number of movies coming out this year that I can't even start to think about because they're gonna have Avengers, Lion King, which is probably gonna be the biggest movie of all time, uh Toy yeah. Story. Uh, Frozen 2, Star Wars, is a total monopoly of culture, Disney. <laughs> but um, yeah, get ready for those. <laughs> get pumped. Go watch movies this year. Get your AMC. Get your movie pass out. Go watch some movies. Well, you might be happy to know that there might be another Teen Titans Go movie this year. Oh, yeah. I read that they're doing some kind of something. Yeah. I don't know exactly it's what 
Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans, and it just says late 2019. So who knows? But Shazam is in April, Joker, October. (laughs) I want to believe in Joaquin Phoenix, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, definitely. Well, (laughs) Mitchell, I think we have covered a lot here. Oh, boy. There are a lot of movies that we still didn't even talk about either, too. So, you know, I did do an episode on Venom, though. So that's that's covered. That's been covered. We didn't need to talk about it. (laughs) Venom was bad and fun. Bad fun. Yeah. Oh, God. Horrible, horrible movie, but so fun. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, it was great talking to you, Deanna. Thanks for watching all those movies I told you to watch. And I'm glad you enjoyed them. I still have a few to get to, but I know you mentioned maybe wanting to talk more in depth about some of these. So, you know, I I have to have you on the podcast more often. It's been months since we've done a podcast and that was a total epic fail on my part last year. So I I will text you about some potential solo episodes we can do for some of these movies. Cool. Love to. Awesome. And to our listeners, thank you for sticking with us this long. This is one of the longer episodes we've had in a while, but there was a lot to discuss. So I think, I think it called for it. So, you know, Hopefully, hopefully they think that's hopefully they agree with us. But if you've made it this far, thank you for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.